Welcome to another episode at the Be Guided and Be Great podcast, where being intuitive is understood and being sensitive is a good thing. I'm your host, Kate St. Clair. So today's episode is called How to Survive Yoga Class if You're a Sensitive. And you can find the link to this podcast um, on my website at katesaintclair.com. If you go to the podcast tab on the top, um, the article that I had wrote previously on this subject is there along with the link to this podcast. And um, this will be, I think, our final podcast in sort of the way I've been doing podcasting. And we're developing something new going forward. So um, I want to set the intention up front because a, I'm in a funny mood. Um, we, uh, you know, for my diehard fans, those of you that listen to this right when it, um, right when I post it, um, as you guys well know, both international and national, we are having an election here in our country and the results haven't come in. So I'm a little bit fired up waiting for the results. So I might be a little cheeky today because of it. Um, but as I, as I do this podcast, the intention of it is to have a sense of humor. <laughs> okay. I'm going to say a little things and I, I, I know I want to offend anybody. I want to just, um, you know, my first intention is to have a sense of humor. My second intention, that's even, you know, the most important point is I really want to connect some dots. Um, for those of you that have tried like group workout, um, particularly in yoga mediums, particularly the, the mediums have a really hard time. And at the end of this podcast, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and so I really want to tell stories and I'm going to give, um, let me see, seven reasons yoga classes torture for sensitive souls. <laughs> so again, that's supposed to be humorous. Um, but I, I want to go over seven really, um, fundamentally true things about sensitives that we don't often understand about ourselves. And if we don't understand that about ourselves and we live it every day, how the hell can we expect other people outside of us to understand? And so that's where maybe a teacher or an instructor does a lot of shaming. And if, um, you can't focus, if you can't relax, and if you like me have had a, uh, you know, just casual yoga teacher sort of scold you in front of everybody for that. Um, I really want to take the shame away and off of you and maybe give it back to where it should be appropriately uh, placed. But we're going into the holiday season and we are going to start a new year thereafter. And people, you know, you will be thinking about the new year. We're going through COVID crisis still in our country. So our health and how we interact um, with our health. I mean, obviously most people aren't going to yoga class. So this podcast I think is timely in that let's just say on the other side of COVID and you want to start a practice uh, back out in the world and your community, um, you'll have some new tools to know who you are, what you're going through in those classes and how to better handle situations. So you can either continue because that, that's what you want to do and, or choose a different solution, but not to give up on yourself and, in no way of uh, feeling bad or shame because maybe on some level, you know, you can't do this, but you've not appropriately labeled the reason why. So, um, 
by the end of this podcast, you should have a clear picture of what you want to do going forward. Okay. So it gives us plenty of time to think about the new year, think about our lives and what, what we value post COVID with a brand new and more fully developed understanding of who and what we are as individual people. So let's get to it. So for most of my life, I was a a runner. I would do five to six miles a day and uh, I got a lot of benefit from that. And then after I had my children, I got more into weightlifting and becoming stronger. And so I typically go between weightlifting and running and try to blend them, but more into weightlifting as I get older. And, you know, me, like everybody else, I have an exploratory personality. I want to explore things and do new things. And um, especially when we moved to Colorado 2007, I really, I jumped right into trying to get into the yoga community in Colorado and right from the get go, it was just not pretty. (laughs) So I was at the very beginning of, I had read books, I had studied, I had tried to get mentors and help, but, um, I had not found mentorship for who and what I was as a medium, as a sensitive. Um, but I was also waking up. So the things that we'll talk about are sort of that timeline um, in my own life where I didn't quite understand who and what I was. So I didn't respond to the things that happened to me um, with clarity. I was still really confused and struggling to understand myself. So like I said, I tried to go to yoga class and I went to all sorts of yoga classes and um, At one point, I nearly broke my neck attempting to do a ridiculous headstand. And according to the equally ridiculous teacher, you know, quote unquote, it's required for enlightenment is what she said to me, please. I mean, she really scolded me for not focusing and being a minion like the rest of the people in her class. And again, I think it was like my first day. So, but there was something about that moment that I had real clarity and perhaps a, a new belief system that psychic mediums cannot survive yoga class. <laughs> like I just like left there pissed off and I was like, okay, I just can't do this. Right now. Can we do it in the privacy of our homes? Absolutely. Can we do it one-on-one with an instructor or a teacher that doesn't have gross or yucky energy or worse? Of course. I mean, if you can't focus or handle being in a yoga class, you might be psychic, medium, or both. So let's jump right into seven reasons yoga class is torture for sensitive souls. Okay, number one, as a clairsentient, which means clear feeling, you'll feel people's sicknesses, their illnesses. Okay. So your body, your energy will take on the symptoms of some of someone's illness, um, or you'll feel unbearably uncomfortable and not know why, right? Like people that have cancer, people that have they're they're ill. They, sometimes they don't know it and they certainly don't walk around and tell everybody. So, when you don't understand this part about yourself, you, you just feel sick, you feel weak, you feel weird. And for me, I used to experience it as like a panic would set in and I'd feel out of control. And when the pain would come or the sickness, I just didn't know where it was coming from. So I would panic and freak out. 
I remember one time I was at a, a Bikram yoga class where a woman in front of me was full of cancer. I could feel it. I could sense it. And I couldn't bear being behind her. And, and yet kind of also because I didn't understand exactly how my gift worked, I didn't, I didn't understand um, how I was experiencing it, which kind of scared me even more, right? So as we gathered our things to leave, she walked right up to me and said, you should come here more often. This practice helped me get rid of my cancer. Wasn't that amazing? It was quite the shock. So, but the truth is it took me days to get the energy and the images of what she went through during her cancer journey out of my own mind and body. And as many of you guys can relate, the burden of, um, I sensed that the cancer wasn't gone because I felt she still had it before she just randomly turned around and told me she had had cancer. <laughs> um, you know, we're always struggling in this place of saying, because she said that she was cured of cancer because of doing this yoga. And of course, that burden that is on us that um, you want to say, oh, honey, I still sense it there, right? But you keep your mouth shut because, well, I certainly did. And, uh, you know, I try to study whether the more of like a, the New York, New York type of personality or more of the mediums that walk up to people and just tell them what they get. And then I'm from Montana, so our boundaries are really firm because we are used to having a lot of space. But I, I sort of think that comes down to personality too. And a lot of my students, most of my students, in fact, if not all of them, I'm very polite and my students are very polite. And so we work so hard for things not to come out of our mouths. We work really hard to not say, oh, uh, no, you still have cancer, you know, because <laughs> That puts us in a position for her to have thought, who the hell are you, right? <laughs> so I want to honor that feeling that you get when you get around a lot of people. And again, you might not put your finger on exactly what's happening to you. So if number one rings a bell, um, you could be very clairsentient. And if you always are trying not to channel people's diagnoses to them, I want to also honor that struggle in you because that's a real thing. So I know what that feels like. Number two, as a clairsentient, you will feel people's energy and attitude. Okay. So if they're in there trying to be perfect and you feel an irrational need for perfection, even if it's your first day there, um, and that's what's going on. You you're picking up other people's intentions and you're channeling it and you put way too much pressure on yourself. Um, so I would say with time, you need to understand how clairsentient you are and learn to have boundaries around that so that people can be perfect if they want to. People can be whatever they want to be, wherever they are. And the only time it's a problem is if it interferes with who and what you are and what your intention of that you know, what to int your intention of that class is for that particular day, right? And if you're clairsentient, if they're angry, but smiling, you'll read them to figure out what the hell is going on, right? If they're, if you can sense that they're being angry or judgmental, but they have like a big smile on their face, you're, that's not going to compute right for you. You're going to be reading that and reading that and wasting a lot of energy trying to, uh, make that equation right. <laughs> okay. Okay. So let's go to number three. 
as a medium, each person has at least five spirits around them. Okay, I'm going to say that again. If you are a medium, you must understand, and I know that many of you don't, <laughs> because that would imply you're all super clairvoyant and see every single spirit and, yeah, well, spirit and entity around you. And most of us don't. Most of us try to shut all that down when we were little kids. And now we're adults. And how that looks is that, um, sometimes that can just feel like a lot of pressure. And it can feel like somebody's watching you. Um, so every single person has um, their spirit guides, their birth guide, their spirit guides, and every single person has, you know, dead loved ones on the other side around them. Um, some people have ghosts and some people come in with even stranger things. So um, the truth is, is that they're like people. So they stand there and they talk and they interact with people. And if they're staring at you, you know that on some level. And so you might feel like somebody's watching you um, because they are. <laughs> and even if you're not aware that you're a medium, again, like I said, you'll, you'll feel anxious. Um, you'll feel pressure. You'll feel a lot of anxiety because, um, again, let's just be honest. And, and this is important. And it's important because as a, you know, fully functioning medium now, now I know whenever I go... I, I just try to get through the day like everybody else. And so do you, I have no doubt. And now only if I have to, because I'm feeling something that I'm, I can't just sort of pretend isn't there, I'll stop and take a look. And so what happens is as a medium, if you're standing there and your father is, it turns and he's talking to me, me like your father on the other side, right? If he's turning and talking to me, maybe he's trying to pat my hair or pull my hair or do something playful. What we do as mediums that are shut down is we're trying to ignore that. And that feels impolite because it is. <laughs> so um, one of the beauties about recovering your mediumship, really understanding how, uh, how you do mediumship um, is to know how to appropriately ignore spirits um, because they're people and it can feel rude to ignore them. So A, one of the reasons we don't want to wake up and understand that is because we don't want the burden of having to please every single spirit that we see throughout the day. But really, you'll just know how to fine-tune your energy so that you'll send off a frequency like, Hey, I'm going to the grocery store. I'm taking my kid to the doctor. I'm, you know, we don't want to be interrupted with our precious lives and stop every five seconds to talk to the dead, if you will. So we can tune it so that we don't feel rude, that we don't have to look and stop and talk to every spirit under the sun. So again, coming back to yoga class, if you're in there and there's 20 other people, well, you know, what's 20 times five? I mean, holy crap, right? That's a lot to look at. That's a lot to block uh, clairsentiently. That's a lot of conversations going on clairaudiently. They're not quiet robots. They are people and they talk and interact. And my spirit guide could be talking to your spirit guide. And it's a lot for a medium and a sensitive to deal with. Um, if you're a sensitive psychic, so you're every body, everybody's body is in a different state of health, <laughs> right? Uh, so 
Um, if you have a natural ability to read bodies psychically with your clairsentience, that can be a big deal. So I, I do want to make this point for you that if you're sensitive, being in a little room with lots of people is a big freaking deal. It's not just you, the teacher, and 20 other strangers. There is so much going in that room, and you are feeling it. You are hearing it. You are seeing it, and uh, God bless you for just trying to bless you for being out of the house. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm trying to be silly, obviously, but it can be that way sometimes. Like I want to make sure that you're celebrating your desire and ability Um and your hope and you you're trying to be part of a community and as a sensitive i just really want to celebrate that about you because it, it is quite a big feat for those of us that feel a lot okay okay number four and this is this is where i get a little bit aggressive because this is my wheelhouse and i feel very protective of i feel very protective of how hard this journey is okay. So I'll just say number four, number four, you can't become enlightened over bending over. And yes, I'm trying to be cheeky with number four, but you know, I, I don't, I don't mean to offend anyone, but I've literally heard yoga teachers say that to their students. And I'm sorry, but soulful changes comes from conscious work, right? Yoga can be in the same realm as say five Hail Marys and everything will be better now, right? So if you do 500 downward dogs, but still live in denial, you can do 500 more and nothing is going to change, right? Now, if you're doing downward dogs while consciously confronting patterns and um, denial and finding your guidance and working with your thoughts and you're able to achieve some peace in your mind, then yeah, you can attain enlightenment and clarity on many issues in your life, right? It's the same effect as running. I mean, running can be wonderfully meditative. Uh, if you're engaged in contemplation or peace while doing so, and yoga and running are great for the body and should be considered when that is the intention to move the body, but they're not in themselves a way to enlightenment. Okay. Um, and so let me just make sure I reiterate that there are yoga practices that work within the spiritual realm, certainly. And there are the same yoga poses can be used with the intention for just a workout, if you will. So, um, if you're doing yoga within a practice um, towards healing the things within both in this life and I as a medium would say in past lives as well, wonderful. But just because you go do downward dog does not mean that in itself is going to give you enlightenment. So I wrote number four because I've seen it with my own eyes and I've experienced myself where the scolding that goes on from people that don't understand is just really pisses me off. <laughs> Obviously, obviously it does, but really how dare they? Um, there's so many, there's so many roads to enlightenment. There are so many prompts. There are so many calls to it. And our guides, um, let's just say if you're a sensitive medium, you're psychic medium, you're sensitive, 
that is typically not going to be the road for you because as I've stated, you will not be able to just go do a couple poses in a room full of 20 strangers and be okay. Unless you're a fully conscious medium and have total control over your clairs, that might be a different thing, right? But by then you'd already be pretty conscious if you know what I mean. <laughs> okay, I won't dwell on it. I'll move on. So number five, as a claircognizant, which means clear knowing, right? It means that you know things. You just know the truth about people. So if you're a psychic and the yoga teacher scolds you and you feel tremendous rage because you can read her, you know the truth that the person telling you to do whatever can't even do it in her own life, right? Like we're very tuned into hypocrites and hypocritical judgment, right? I mean, if you get that download because you're claircognizant, you don't need any more information. You just know she's ignorant, cruel, or an egotistical whatever, right? And you feel it in your body like how dare you scold me for the things that you don't understand. So if you've ever had that sort of visceral reaction to um, judgment through your claircognizance, again, you just know because you know because you know it comes in. The claircognizant is the fastest clair. It doesn't hit any of the slower ones like your audio or your eyes or your feelings. It just comes right in as fast as a download. And if you've walked away from any sort of class, not just yoga class, that is often your claircognizance, just knowing the truth about the person. <sighs> right? I've had so many people tell me stories about they went to this class or that class and this teacher said this to them. And, you know, the thing about psychics is we're often offended. <laughs> we're some of the most easily offended. Why? Because we're sensitive. <laughs> but to language that, it's the claircognizant that typically gets us offended easily because we can typically know through our claircognizance if somebody is speaking to us and they're in alignment, right? If they have the authority to speak of the things that they do, we know that. And sometimes we can be the first ones to fold in line if we're like, yes, yes, you know what you're talking about. So let me just, you know, mull that over. Let me just see how that applies to my life directly. But when you have that like visceral, um, ooh, judgment towards the teacher, for saying something to you that is, you know, and I want to acknowledge, obviously, sometimes they can say something that is the truth and, and that's fine. But, you know, maybe the last thing would be, is it the place to say that? Is that a mature space and place to have said whatever to you as a sensitive? Okay. Um, number six, as a clairaudient, which means hearing, you'll be overwhelmed by an anxious excuse me, you'll be overwhelmed and anxious by the sound of everyone's thoughts, right? Telepathic and the sound of their guides or their spirit people talking, right? You'll be offended and irritated and not even know why. And I know why it's because you can hear other people's judgments, right? Their telepathic messages. They, you can hear their judgments towards themselves and you can take that in and think they're saying it about you. You can feel their criticism and their self-talk and everything else under the sun that happens telepathically. Because when you're an untrained clairaudient, it will all sound like your own thinking voice. So you'll leave there thinking you're crazy and have no control over your own thoughts when you're actually hearing everyone else's. And this is a part that can be so brutal for psychics in yoga class. <laughs> 
Right. So I want to elaborate on that, but I am feeling like maybe not. We'll just plant that small seed. We've talked about it a few times over the course of the podcast, but clear audience is no joke. And to fine tune that clear audience all sounds like your thinking voice at first. I've said it in other podcasts, it can take time to get nuances with your Claire audience, um, to hear that the voice is outside of you, to hear that that person said it with a different tone than your thinking voice is. And Claire audience can be the, one of the hardest Claire's to get a hold of and fill it out more because fear of the unknown keeps us, uh, keeps all the voices in the tone of your thinking mind. So it's complex. It takes time. But um, if you are Claire audience, oh, and if you can f- figure that out, how you do it, if you can work with it so you get different tones and textures, it is literally life-changing because that is who you are, right? You're not going to stop being Claire audience. You are. So if you can learn to work with it and be more curious about, oh, I'm thinking, oh, I'm thinking I hate my tights or I hate my legs or whatever. And you have the next thought is, I love these pants or my legs are fine. That's where you can sort of explore, oh my God, did I hear somebody else's thoughts, right? Did I hear somebody else criticizing themselves in their own mind or Maybe you thought somebody's thought you were not so attractive and your feelings are hurt and maybe they were thinking about themselves, but you, um, you know, brought it into you and assumed that that telepathic message was aimed at you. So this is what I mean when psychics can be very offended all the time. (laughs) We can take in other people's thoughts about stuff that has nothing to do with us and bring it in as our own. Okay. Finally, number seven. If you're a medium, the dead will ask you to help them. Okay. So it doesn't matter if it's a ghost on location or one that walked in with a person or if it's someone's dead relative, the spirit will walk up to you and demand that you give a message for them. And if you don't know how to control this or what your boundaries are, you feel obligated to help. So we talked about that where so much of mm, so much of our reality and, and we're so used to it, we don't even know that we struggle with this, is that we feel something and we feel compelled to tell the person. Um, and this is you know, I've notoriously told this story because it was happening, um, you know, it was during the bridge of coming out of denial, trying to understand I was in mentorship. So I was really aware. And we went and got a new car down in Denver. And this beautiful black man was, um, we were buying the car from him. And his mother on the other side was so luminous and so laughy. And I love a good sense of humor. And she was trying so hard to make me give him a message. And I, I'm i just sort of shy by nature. So I just couldn't do it. <laughs> I was like, wrong time, wrong place. I don't want to put this poor guy on the spot, man. You know, 
Don't put me in that position. So I'm, you know, I'm looking at him and smiling and this is all the dialogue going on in my, in my mind because, <laughs> excuse me, you know, his mom's standing next to him and she's talking to me and smiling and she's lovely. And I want to so badly give the message and you feel so obligated to be if you can. And yet that internal battle, like, oh my God, is this my business? Is this appropriate? You know, um, I want to acknowledge that about you. You've probably had moments of that as well. So that's what's going on. Well, the truth is like, how can you focus, you know, going back to yoga, how can you focus on poses, particularly long lasting, bent over, uncomfortable poses? If spirits are bothering you and asking, you know, you to help them. And by the way, I get touched a lot. They like to play with my hair and it's freaky. It was freaky at first. Now I have better boundaries and they don't get to do that to me anymore. But I, I didn't know I could do that back then. I had no idea. So they'd play with my hair and touch me and, oh my God. And then you, like I said, you feel like you have to tell the person the message. And what if you don't have that personality? What if you hate walking up to strangers and revealing your psychic, like at a minimum, right? And most of us want to keep that to ourselves in our private lives. So most of us run away and we're pissed off that we can't even take care of ourselves without someone asking for us to help them. And it can bring up feelings like compassion and rage and victimization and death. It triggers so many feelings within us. Okay. It triggers us too. So Again, I just really want to honor maybe the things that you've been through when you're just trying to take care of yourself. It's, you know, we're not celebrating victimization. We're just, this is the deal. And one of the things I say to my students is, what are, wonder if you were in a wheelchair and you couldn't use your legs. That would just simply be a fact. People would have to accommodate your reality because that is what it is, whether you like it or not, or when, whether anyone else likes it or not. Let's just pretend you're in a wheelchair. Okay, so people would have to accommodate that. So if you're a psychic medium, this is what it is, and you cannot not be that, okay? for whatever reason, you are perhaps heightenedly born this way. And I want you to think about it not as a handicap, but I'm trying to get you to see it as black and white as that. Like, if you're sensitive, if you see spirits, that is just what you do. And don't um, you know, sometimes I think early programming is you can fix this, you can stop that. It's a choice. And it's just simply not um, anymore. Like our dimensions, you know, if there's a physical ailment and people can see it with their eyes, then it's real, you know, but the unseen things like sadness and depression and happiness and joy and bliss and um, those things those aren't real to people. If they can't see it or touch it, you can say you're happy, but if you're not displaying it grandly, sometimes even that's not believed by people. So we're honoring that the way you do energy, the way you are particular, if you will, is an energy experience. And so it's up to you to honor and perhaps, if it's appropriate, educate others about how your um, how your again, if we 
compare it to if you were in a wheelchair, people would have to accommodate that about you. So if you're a sensitive medium, it's just a way to articulate you experience moments and energy and rooms and, you know, things differently than maybe a non-medium person. Okay, so as we wrap up, so what do we do if we enjoy yoga but find it brutal to endure public classes? So one of the things that you can do is join a monthly yoga video subscription at home, right? Lots of my clients um, and some of my students really enjoy that. You can hire a private teacher. I have a lot of um, colleagues that do that are yoga teachers and they're really good at it. And I think it'd be wonderful for you to treat yourself to a private um, journey with a private teacher. So obviously you can still um, buy DVDs, right? You can do those online subscription things like, uh, like I'd said earlier. And of course, you can always find another way to work out. Um, Don't kid yourself. I know often the psychics think we have to do yoga because it's quote unquote spiritual workout. (laughs) It's just bullshit. I'm just going to say that's just bullshit. Do whatever you love to do. Listen to the music that feeds your soul. It doesn't have to be etheric and airy-fairy. You know, sometimes I need a good heavy metal when I'm running or if I'm lifting, because it's also a way for us to process energy. If you're kinetic, you have a lot of extra energy that if you don't use, it just chews you up your own energy. So it's a great way if you can, whatever music feeds your soul, don't buy into the bullshit. Listen to whatever you want to. You can run, you can lift, you can do roller skating. I don't care if you're, you know, to take care of the body, to take care of your energy, do what calls to you. It doesn't have to be yoga. Okay. Okay. And finally, pay attention to what you're feeling during class and, um, learn about how you personally pick up psychic information and put some boundaries around it. If you want to, you know, if you still want to do it and, um, you're determined to do it, (laughs) it's wonderful. Honor that and just pursue different boundaries or have some intentions, have a plan. If something happens, you're going to what, you know, like if there's a spirit in the room that is uncomfortable, um, what will be the plan to block them? Will you ask the angels to remove it? What are you going to do? Okay. So just have a game plan there to take care of yourself. So I mean, for example, if you're a medium and you promise yourself that you won't tune into other people during class and that can take time. So be patient with yourself. It's feels disrespectful and rude to ignore people and their energy. And if they have spirits around them, that's hard too, because they're people, right? So if a spirit asks for your help telepathically, you can tell them that you can't right now and they can go find another medium to help them. I mean, remember you're not alone. So there could literally be another medium in the class that can like do a headstand, channel spirits, like who the hell knows? (laughs) You're just not alone. Being a medium isn't that rare, quite frankly. So let's not self-grandetize ourselves. I don't know if that's the right word, but I felt very burdened at the beginning of my profession, at the beginning of my, sometimes I call it psychic recovery because I was trying to recover my intuition and label it appropriately is how I language that part of my life. And, um, you feel very alone and like you're the only one that can give the message. And 
what I can guarantee you out of my over decade of doing this work professionally is that, oh, they can go, they can literally go to the spirit next door to get help. So they have angels, they have spirit guides, they have God. There's, there's this huge system to always be available to help all of us on every dimension and realm. So it is not up to you that 45 minutes or an hour, whatever you're doing to give to yourself, to give to your body. Um, that's private and you don't owe anyone anything during that time. So sometimes giving permission and just knowing that consciously can be so helpful to get through that, um, without stopping every second for an interruption. So if you feel like you're picking up on other people's energy, just say to yourself, like, that's them. This is me. I reject all energy that is not mine, you know, like a simple mantra. And I teach my students to label energy. So if you're like, okay, that's them, that's them. And then, oh, here I am. I always go to my heart center to try to find myself when I feel lost in energy. If you feel, um, anxiety over a busy mind, right? Cause you're clairaudient probably, create a mantra for yourself, um, to get through the class. Like this is my time. This is my time. This is my time. I am safe and loved, you know, we'll find out what mantra, you know, and I'm sure that, you know, a mantra is just a set of, a few set of words that, um, you can say over and over for intention. Um, it's also very powerful to set the energetic boundary as well. So you could also do an affirmation like I am safe, I am loved, and it's easy for me to focus on myself right? And that might not feel true in the moment, but mantras are there to help, you know, sort of rewire your brain, add some new neurological um, sensories or senses. Um, if you're a sensitive, don't put so much pressure on yourself to go to yoga class, you know, just just have a happy heart, just be like, childlike, and you're there to play, you're there to be curious, you're there to experience and you're not there to impress. And I don't care if the instructor wants you to impress them, you don't owe the instructor anything, right? If you want to, then do, obviously. If you really can't enjoy yourself while you're there, please find something else to do for your health. Okay, well, that's the seven. Um, I already forgot what I call them, the seven seven reasons yoga classes torture for sensitive souls. <laughs> well, I hope that you've found yourself in some of the steps and I hope I've connected some dots for you. So you more fully understand your experiences, whether that's in the past long ago or fairly recently. I hope it's given you some tips and tools for the future when we see ourselves back in society and in community and, um, if you think about if you're a psychic medium and you want to be a yoga teacher, think of the blessing that you offer um, the people before you where you typically won't be rude because you know how people take, how sensitive people are to energy and words. Uh, let me also say that many people are still scared to come out of the psychic medium closet, if you will. And I just... Yeah, I could probably talk all day about that, but really, really quick. It, this is the way you're born. This is, everybody has these things. Everybody has medium abilities. Everyone is psychic, whether they understand it or not. It doesn't matter. I'm um, just like everyone has emotions and thoughts. <laughs> you know, that's not just some special people. We all have access to that. Um, 
And I understand, you know, early in my career, I've shared it before, I was really scared to tell people, what do you do for a living? I was so scared to death. You know, I'd moved to a new neighborhood. What do you do for a living? So scared to tell people. And most of the time people did react strangely because, you know, just, I get it. It's fine. But again, like the more comfortable and we moved to California and nobody even blinked when I told them that. It's just most people were very loving and supportive. Um, and that really integrated my profession into myself and into my life even more. And um, come back to Colorado and I go to the doctor not long ago and she says, um, so it says here you're an intuitive coach. And she's like, you know, so what do you do? And I'm like, well, I'm a psychic medium and I train other psychic mediums. And she goes, yeah, my friend, uh, my colleague, she's a doctor. She's also a yoga teacher. It's like it, it, not even a flinch, not even a blink. Just like that is so cool. My friend is too, or my, my friend um, is getting training in that, uh, you know, as well. Like we are becoming into a new dawn in our modern reality, if you will. These are gifts that were cherished in more ancient cultures. And um, I could talk about that forever too, but I'll spare you. I just want to celebrate that if you are super sensitive to the point where you are really relating to today's podcast, um, it is a big part of who you are. And I'm excited for the day that you understand your Claire's and you understand how you do energy and that you are able to easily articulate that to others if they don't understand and you know you need to say something in that moment. And or if you're in class and somebody says something to you, um, you will you will remain in your peace and you'll remain in your joy and in your play and you don't give up on yourself because of what other people say or do. Okay, so I just wanted to share that with you as we conclude. Um, and as always, if you're interested in which is the strongest Claire in you, go to my website at katesaintclair.com. And take that quiz that I created for you, um, which is this, um, which Claire are you? And it'll just be a quick little quiz and you can see which is sort of the strongest Claire. I have no doubt that you could relate to, if not all of them, <laughs> but we all have one or more stronger ones. So um, go ahead and check that out if you like, and I'll talk to you next time. Um, I'll see you next week. Hopefully this podcast might become every other week, but um you know, especially with the holidays coming, but I'll see. I, my goal is always to, to meet with you once a week because I care about it that much, but sometimes it will be every other week. And I have some interesting podcasts planned as we go through the holidays. I'm going to have a colleague of mine um, that lost a child when he was eight years old. And from that storyline, she became a psychic medium um, and she's written a book about it. And I, I'll have, I'm going to have her on um, around the first week or two. <laughs> excuse me, of December and have her share some tips of grief through the holidays. So we've got some really cool things planned for you and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Anyway, until next time, remember it's your birthright to be guided and be great. <laughs>